Chapter Seven of Cousin Pons by Honoré de Balzac, translated by Ellen Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Seven. The savory odor of a stew pervaded the whole courtyard as Pons returned mechanically home. Madame Cibot was dishing up Schmucke's dinner, which consisted of scraps of boiled beef from a little cook shop, not above doing a little trade of this kind these morsels were fricasseed in brown butter with thin slices of onion until the meat and vegetables had absorbed the gravy and this true porter's dish was browned to the right degree with that fricassee prepared with loving care for cibot and schmucke and accompanied by a bottle of beer and a piece of cheese the old german music-master was quite content not king solomon in all his glory be sure could dine better than schmucke a dish of boiled beef fricasseed with onions scraps of sautéed chicken or beef and parsley or venison or fish served with a sauce of la cibot's own invention a sauce with which a mother might unsuspectingly eat her child such was schmucke's ordinary varying with the quantity and quality of the remnants of food supplied by boulevard restaurants to the cook-shop in the rue boucherat schmucke took everything that gut montame zipod gave him and was content and so from day to day gut montame zipod cut down the cost of his dinner until it could be served for twenty sous it won't be long afore i find out what is the matter with him poor dear said madame cibot to her husband for here is monsieur schmucke's dinner all ready for him as she spoke she covered the deep earthenware dish with a plate and notwithstanding her age she climbed the stair and reached the door before schmucke opened it to pons what is the matter mit you mein good friend asked the german scared by the expression of pons's face i will tell you all about it but i have come home to have dinner with you dinner dinner cried schmucke in ecstasy but it is impossible the old german added as he thought of his friend's gastronomical tastes and at that very moment he caught sight of madame cibot listening to the conversation as she had a right to do as his lawful housewife struck with one of those happy inspirations which only enlighten a friend's heart he marched up to the portress and drew her out to the stairhead montame zipode he said der gut pons is fond of gut things schust go round to der quatrain pleu and order a dainty little tinner mit anjovies and macaroni ein tinner for le gallus in fact what is that inquired la cibot oh ah returned schmucke it is ville à la bourgeoise bourgeoise he meant a nice fish ein pottle of porto und nice things the very best they have like groquettes of rice and smoked bacon Bay for it and say noddings i will give you back the money to-morrow morning back went schmucke radiant and rubbing his hands but his expression slowly changed to a look of bewildered astonishment as he heard pons's story of the troubles that had but just now overwhelmed him in a moment he tried to comfort pons by giving him a sketch of the world from his own point of view paris in his opinion was a perpetual hurly-burly the men and women in it were whirled away by a tempestuous waltz it was no use expecting anything of the world which only looked at the outsides of things und not at their interior 
for the hundredth time he related how that the only three pupils for whom he had really cared for whom he was ready to die the three who had been fond of him and even allowed him a little pension of nine hundred francs each contributing three hundred to the amount his favorite pupils had quite forgotten to come to see him and so swift was the current of parisian life which swept them away that if he called at their houses he had not succeeded in seeing them once in three years it is a fact however that schmucke had always thought fit to call on these great ladies at ten o'clock in the morning still his pension was paid quarterly through the medium of solicitors und yet they are hearts of gold he concluded they are my little saint cecilia's charming women montame de bordentoire montame de fontenesse and montame de Lillet. if i see them at all it is at des jambes and they do not see me yet they are ver fond of me and i might go to dine mit them and they would be ver pleased to see me and i might go to their country houses but i would much rather be mit mein friend bons because i can see him whenever i like und every day pons took schmucke's hand and grasped it between his own all that was passing in his inmost soul was communicated in that tight pressure and so for a while the friends sat like two lovers meeting at last after a long absence kein here every day broke out schmucke inwardly blessing madame de marville for her hardness of heart look here we shall go prick-a-pracking togethers und der teufel shall never show his tail here we shall go prick-a-pracking togethers for the full comprehension of those truly heroic words it must be confessed that schmucke's ignorance of bric-a-brac was something of the densest it required all the strength of his friendship to keep him from doing heedless damage in the sitting-room and study which did duty as a museum for pons schmucke wholly absorbed in music a composer for love of his art took about as much interest in his friend's little trifles as a fish might take in a flower-show at the luxembourg supposing that it had received a ticket of admission a certain awe which he certainly felt for the marvels was simply a reflection of the respect which pons showed his treasures when he dusted them to pons's exclamations of admiration he was wont to reply with a yes it is ver pretty as a mother answers baby gestures with meaningless baby talk seven times since the friends had lived together pons had exchanged a good clock for a better one till at last he possessed a timepiece in boule's first and best manner for boule had two manners as raphael had three in the first he combined ebony and copper in the second contrary to his convictions he sacrificed to tortoise-shell inlaid work in spite of pons's learned dissertations schmucke never could see the slightest difference between the magnificent clock in boule's first manner and its six predecessors but for pons's sake schmucke was even more careful among the chimcracks than pons himself so it should not be surprising that schmucke's sublime words comforted pons in his despair for we shall go prick-a-backing togethers meant being interpreted i will put money into bric-a-brac if you will only dine here dinner is ready 
madame cibot announced with astonishing self-possession it is not difficult to imagine pons's surprise when he saw and relished the dinner due to schmucke's friendship sensations of this kind that come so rarely in a lifetime are never the outcome of the constant close relationship by which friend daily says to friend you are a second self to me for this too becomes a matter of use and wont it is only by contact with the barbarism of the world without that the happiness of that intimate life is revealed to us as a sudden glad surprise it is the outer world which renews the bond between friend and friend lover and lover all their lives long wherever two great souls are knit together by friendship or by love pons brushed away two big tears schmucke himself wiped his eyes and though nothing was said the two were closer friends than before little friendly nods and glances exchanged across the table were like balm to pons soothing the pain caused by the sand dropped in his heart by the president's wife as for schmucke he rubbed his hands till they were sore for a new idea had occurred to him one of those great discoveries which cause a german no surprise unless they sprout up suddenly in a teuton brain frost-bound by the awe and reverence due to sovereign princes mein gut bons began schmucke i can guess what you mean you would like us both to dine together here every day give only our was rich enough to live like this every day began the good german in a melancholy voice but here madame cibot appeared upon the scene pons had given her an order for the theatre from time to time and stood in consequence almost as high in her esteem and affection as her boarder schmucke lord love you said she for three francs and wine extra i can give you both such a dinner every day that you will be ready to lick the plates as clean as if they were washed it is a fact schmucke remarked that the dinners that montame zipod cooks for me are better as the messes they eat at the royal table in his eagerness schmucke usually so full of respect for the powers that be so far forgot himself as to imitate the irreverent newspapers which scoffed at the fixed-price dinners of royalty really said pons very well i will try to-morrow and at that promise schmucke sprang from one end of the table to the other sweeping off tablecloth bottles and dishes as he went and hugged pons to his heart so might gas rush to combine with gas what happiness cried he madame cibot was quite touched monsieur is going to dine here every day she cried proudly that excellent woman departed downstairs again in ignorance of the event which had brought about this result entered her room like josepha in william tell set down the plates and dishes on the table with a bang and called aloud to her husband cibot run to the cafe turc for two small cups of coffee and tell the man at the stove that it is for me then she sat down and rested her hands on her massive knees and gazed out of the window at the opposite wall i will go to-night and see what mame fontaine says she thought madame fontaine told fortunes on the cards for all the servants in the quarter of the marais 
since these two gentlemen came here we have put two thousand francs in the savings bank two thousand francs in eight years what luck would it be better to make no profit out of monsieur pons's dinner and keep him here at home mam fontaine's hen will tell me that three years ago madame cibot had begun to cherish a hope that her name might be mentioned in her gentleman's wills she had redoubled her zeal since that covetous thought tardily sprouted up in the midst of that so honest moustache pons hitherto had dined abroad eluding her desire to have both of her gentlemen entirely under her management his troubadour collector's life had scared away certain vague ideas which hovered in la cibot's brain but now her shadowy projects assumed the formidable shape of a definite plan dating from that memorable dinner fifteen minutes later she reappeared in the dining-room with two cups of excellent coffee flanked by a couple of tiny glasses of kirschwasser long live montame zipod cried schmucke she have guessed right the diner out bemoaned himself a little while schmucke met his lamentations with coaxing fondness like a home pigeon welcoming back a wandering bird then the pair set out for the theatre schmucke could not leave his friend in the condition to which he had been brought by the camusots mistresses and servants he knew pons so well he feared lest some cruel sad thought should seize on him at his conductor's desk and undo all the good done by his welcome home to the nest and schmucke brought his friend back on his arm through the streets at midnight a lover could not be more careful of his lady he pointed out the edges of the curbstones he was on the lookout whenever they stepped on or off the pavement ready with a warning if there was a gutter to cross schmucke could have wished that the streets were paved with cotton down he would have had a blue sky overhead and pons should hear the music which all the angels in heaven were making for him he had won the lost province in his friend's heart for nearly three months pons and schmucke dined together every day pons was obliged to retrench at once for dinner at forty-five francs a month and wine at thirty-five meant precisely eighty francs less to spend on bric-a-brac and very soon in spite of all that schmucke could do in spite of his little german jokes pons fell to regretting the delicate dishes the liqueurs the good coffee the table-talk the insincere politeness the guests and the gossip and the houses where he used to dine on the wrong side of sixty a man cannot break himself of a habit of thirty-six years growth wine at a hundred and thirty francs per hogshead is scarcely a generous liquid in a gourmet's glass every time that pons raised it to his lips he thought with infinite regret of the exquisite wines in his entertainer's cellars in short at the end of three months the cruel pangs which had gone near to break pons's sensitive heart had died away he forgot everything but the charms of society and languished for them like some elderly slave of a petticoat compelled to leave the mistress who too repeatedly deceives him in vain he tried to hide his profound and consuming melancholy 
it was too plain that he was suffering from one of the mysterious complaints which the mind brings upon the body a single symptom will throw light upon this case of nostalgia as it were produced by breaking away from an old habit in itself it is trifling one of the myriad nothings which are as rings in a coat of chain-mail enveloping the soul in a network of iron one of the keenest pleasures of pons's old life one of the joys of the dinner-table parasite at all times was the surprise the thrill produced by the extra dainty dish added triumphantly to the bill of fare by the mistress of a bourgeois house to give a festal air to the dinner pons's stomach hankered after that gastronomical satisfaction madame cibot in the pride of her heart enumerated every dish beforehand a salt and savour once periodically recurrent had vanished utterly from daily life dinner proceeded without le plat couvert as our grandsires called it this lay beyond the bounds of schmucke's powers of comprehension pons had too much delicacy to grumble but if the case of unappreciated genius is hard it goes harder still with the stomach whose claims are ignored slighted affection a subject of which too much has been made is founded upon an illusory longing for if the creature fails love can turn to the creator who has treasures to bestow but the stomach nothing can be compared to its sufferings for in the first place one must live pons thought wistfully of certain creams surely the poetry of cookery of certain white sauces masterpieces of the art of truffled chickens fit to melt your heart and above these and more than all these of the famous rhine carp only known at paris served with what condiments there were days when pons thinking upon count popinot's cook would sigh aloud ah sophie any passer-by hearing the exclamation might have thought that the old man referred to a lost mistress but his fancy dwelt upon something rarer on a fat rhine carp with a sauce thin in the sauce-boat creamy upon the palate a sauce that deserved the montillon prize the conductor of the orchestra living on memories of past dinners grew visibly leaner he was pining away a victim to gastric nostalgia by the beginning of the fourth month towards the end of january eighteen forty five pons's condition attracted attention at the theatre the flute a young man named wilhelm like almost all germans and schwab to distinguish him from all other wilhelms if not from all other schwabs judged it expedient to open schmucke's eyes to his friend's state of health it was a first performance of a piece in which schmucke's instruments were all required the old gentleman is failing said the flute there is something wrong somewhere his eyes are heavy and he doesn't beat time as he used to do added wilhelm schwab indicating pons as he gloomily took his place that is always the vague if a man is sixty years old answered schmucke the highland widow in the chronicles of the canongate sent her son to his death to have him beside her for twenty-four hours 
and schmucke could have sacrificed pons for the sake of seeing his face every day across the dinner-table everybody in the theatre is anxious about him continued the flute and as the premier danseuse mademoiselle brise too says he makes hardly any noise now when he blows his nose and indeed a peal like a blast of a horn used to resound through the old musician's bandana handkerchief whenever he raised it to that lengthy and cavernous feature the president's wife had more frequently found fault with him on that score than on any other i would give a good deal to amuse him said schmucke he gets so dull monsieur pons always seems so much above the like of us poor devils that upon my word i didn't dare to ask him to my wedding said wilhelm schwab i am going to be married how demanded schmucke oh quite properly returned wilhelm schwab taking schmucke's quaint inquiry for a jibe of which that perfect christian was quite incapable come gentlemen take your places called pons looking round at his little army as the stage manager's bell rang for the overture the piece was a dramatized fairy tale a pantomime called the devil's betrothed which ran for two hundred nights in the interval after the first act wilhelm schwab and schmucke were left alone in the orchestra with a house at a temperature of thirty-two degrees Réaumur. tell me your history said schmucke look here do you see that young man in the box yonder do you recognize him never a pip ah that is because he is wearing yellow gloves and shines with all the radiance of riches but that is my friend fritz brunner out of frankfurt on the main that used to come to see dublay and sit beside you in the orchestra the same you would not believe he could look so different would you the hero of the promised story was a german of that particular type in which the sombre irony of goethe's mephistopheles is blended with a homely cheerfulness found in the romances of auguste lafontaine of pacific memory but the predominating element in the compound of artlessness and guile of shopkeeper's shrewdness and the studied carelessness of a member of the jockey club was that form of disgust which set a pistol in the hands of a young werther bored to death less by charlotte than by german princes it was a thoroughly german face full of cunning full of simplicity stupidity and courage the knowledge which brings weariness the worldly wisdom which the veriest child's trick leaves at fault the abuse of beer and tobacco all these were there to be seen in it and to heighten the contrast of opposed qualities there was a wild diabolical gleam in the fine blue eyes with the jaded expression dressed with all the elegance of a city man fritz brunner sat in full view of the house displaying a bald crown of the tint beloved by titian and a few stray fiery red hairs on either side of it a remnant spared by debauchery and want that the prodigal might have a right to spend money with the hairdresser when he should come into his fortune a face once fair and fresh as the traditional portrait of jesus christ had grown harder since the advent of a red moustache a tawny beard lent it an almost sinister look the bright blue eyes had lost something of their clearness in the struggle with distress 
the countless courses by which a man sells himself and his honor in paris had left their traces upon his eyelids and carved lines about the eyes into which a mother once looked with a mother's rapture to find a copy of her own fashioned by god's hand this precocious philosopher this wizened youth was the work of a stepmother herewith begins the curious history of a prodigal son of frankfort on the main the most extraordinary and astounding portent ever beheld by that well-conducted if central city End of chapter 7